And so the question is, how the fuck do you get within when you're so used to operating from a place of outside of yourself? And that was my struggle for the longest time in my recovery process and in my process of learning to love myself and fully, fully stepping into my fuck yes self because my fuck yes self has been an ever fucking lucian and ultimately it's really just been at the highest level my desire to just feel at home in my own skin and accepted not just by others but by myself welcome to the live your fuck yes life podcast your place for all things real talk and conscious conversations about shit that really fucking matters. I'm Amanda Catherine Loy, mindset coach, actor, and truth teller extraordinaire. Each week, I'll bring you a guest or a thought to help you face your fears, speak your truth, and get you one step closer to living your fuck yes life. Are you ready? Here we go. Ah, hello, hello, hello my loves. Welcome to episode 107. I hope you're all hanging in and uh, I'm thinking about you all. I've been thinking about you all so much um, in these last um, a couple weeks, especially. Um, it's been such a wild time to be uh, in the United States Uh or also all over the world, you know, it's so interesting being a Canadian in this space right now um, and living here for the last 11 years and speaking to a lot of my family and, and, and best friends from home and everybody has been so impacted by the uh, the world events in the United States in the last couple of weeks and everyone is uh, transforming through it and... Um, and, and moving the, the tension that has lived in our bodies for four years and continues to live in our bodies um, in such di- differing ways. And um, it's all ah, such a release and also such a wild experience. And so I just wanted to say that I'm in it with you and um, remind you, as I did last week, that um, there's no right way to be, especially right now, um, given the times we are living in collectively, you know, with political stuff, with the world, um, in pandemic land, you know, I think, oh, we put so much pressure on ourselves to show up in a certain way, whether that's as we did beforehand or as we believe others might expect us to, and really, you know, I, I think more than ever, we just, um, we need to give ourselves some grace and love and space and especially right now. So, uh, I'm setting that reminder for myself and, and giving, um, hopefully that gives you the reminder for your heart too. I'm so, so, so excited to be here with you today. I have some deep stuff to share that I've been processing for my own journey and self uh, in the last few months in a very deep way and I finally feel ready to really teach from that space and share from that space. So um, I haven't really talked about this subject as you've seen from the title 
um, you know, at length on the podcast, at least in a, in a solo episode, you know, I've, I've spoken about it here and there, um, having guests on, and I'm going to actually be having a really incredible guest on next week, um, who is, I think one of the leading, um, writers and just incredible souls who speaks so, so candidly and lovingly and compassionately around the cycle of eating disorders. And so, um, I'm really looking forward to sharing that with you next week. Um, but I wanted to pop in here and share my, um, personal recovery process. Um, so we're going to be getting into that. And before I even get into the beginnings of it, I just want to, um, share a a mini trigger warning. Um, you know, eating disorders are something that, um, I think honestly, most humans that I connect with, um, in the work that I do, um, as a, as a, you know, body confidence and embodiment coach, um, and as somebody who has a long history of eating disorders, um, and I'll get into more of that in a little bit and, and remind you of my story. But, um, you know, anytime we bring up our own personal narratives and stories within this space, um, it can be really triggering, especially for if you are in the midst of um, a really dark time for your own personal journey when it comes to um, eating disorders uh, or the cycle of those. And it looks really different for all of us. Um, and so I just want you to take the second to trust your heart. And, um, I think this, uh, this conversation is either going to really, really deeply serve you, but it also, I want to just remind you that, uh, we are all on a different journey, (laughs) um, in this space and that I have been in this cycle, um, of recovery for, you know, consciously recovering from this for, almost well it'll be actually I'm about to hit my five-year anniversary Oof, that made me emotional oh I didn't realize the timing of this wow um and so I just want to extend some love and remind you that we are all in different places and I think I know hearing from others in this in their space was really supportive to me and also at times it wasn't and so I completely acknowledge and honor if you are in the depths of your cycle right now if this episode is not for you and so I just wanted to you know set the container for that Um, and before we get into this I also just wanted to share a couple of quick reminders um that uh, we are, if you're listening to this in real time, um, this episode is going live on the 12th of November, um, that we uh, are ah, two days away from the first uh, virtual Live Your Fuck Yes Life Summit. Um, And I'm so, so excited to be in this space with you all. if you are uh, haven't heard on the podcast um, <laughs> or via my Instagram, um, it is going to be an incredible, incredible day of self-exploration and really, really tapping into a lot of the inner work that I talk about so much on this podcast, but you can't really put into words until you experience it in real time. It's g- gorgeous, incredible work, and I'm bringing in some of the most 
um, amazing guest speakers and facilitators to take us through this day of liberation and um, coming home to ourselves, really. Tickets are only $29. Um, if you haven't already got your ticket, you can head to the show notes and snag it um, and make sure you, you get your, your booty in the, the private Facebook group, which is where everything is going down on the 14th of November. Um, and uh, yeah, it's just going to be incredible. Also, it's an Eventbrite ticket, so you can always just search Live Your Fuck Yes Life Fuck with the star of the U, um, just like the podcast, um, virtual summit on Eventbrite and grab your ticket that way. Um, I can't wait to see you in there and share space with you. If for whatever reason you can't make it live, which many, many people um, are choosing to not do the full day in succession, some are, some aren't, it's whatever feels right for you. Um, the recordings are going to be uh, saved within the container of the Facebook group for ever. So you will get access to the replay with your ticket purchase. So um, whether you can be there uh, fully for the day or not, I really, really just recommend snagging your ticket now um, because it's it's going to be a one-time full-bodied experience, and I'm just so excited. I will also be teaching um, a session all around embodiment um, and really embodying your unapologetically confident self, which is not something I've I've um, taught outside of my one-on-one work. Um, and so I'm really excited to give you all um, a little bit of what I do with my deep soul work with my one-on-one clients. So uh, I'm just really thrilled um, about it. And I I can't wait to see you in there. So again, you can check it out at the Eventbrite. Um, just go to Live Your Fuck Yes Life Virtual Summit, the you in the fuck, again, just like the podcast, and snag your ticket, or you can just go to the show notes super easy and click those links. All right. Uh, let's, let's deep dive. You ready? Here we go. So yeah, I am... Um, I knew I wanted to talk to you about this on the podcast a couple of weeks ago. Um, It's been brewing for me for months now. Um, And I've been having a very uh, unexpected experience in terms of my relationship with my eating disorder cycle. It's very interesting because, you know, on the outside, um, I... I have felt like or even said the words sometimes that I have, you know, been in recovery for five years. I said that at the beginning. But the reality is that anyone who's navigated especially very deep levels of eating disorders, and I think so many of us do in ways. um, For a long time, I didn't even um, know how to uh, really – name or label what it was that I was navigating. And I'll talk about that a little bit more of my story because I haven't really talked about the depths of it in a really long time. Um, And honestly, I don't know that I had the awareness um, around what it is that I was going through when I was in it until recently. Um, It's been a lot of therapy work, (laughs) y'all, and a lot of inner work. you know, I I have a really long history of a really uh, negative relationship with my body. I talk about this um, story 
um, in my book, I chopped off my tits um, at length. And I actually talk a lot about um, my relationship with my body and, and my eating disorder um, in my book. It's, it's honestly, it was writing, writing my book was the, f- the first step in catharsis of really starting to heal that from an internal level instead of just trying to heal it from an external level. And what I mean by that is I spend a lot of time, you know, focusing um, in my early recovery days on how can I fuel my body intentionally now and put really thoughtful food into it, not from a place of restriction and calorie counting, which was my cycle, and, and then moving to a place of binging, which was the cycle that I was on for many, many, many years. Um, but it was like reclaiming my body as a place of worthiness to nourish instead of a place um, to punish and a place to not feel enough. And that was my cycle for a really long time. Um, and so when I started the recovery process um, five years ago, um, you know, it was super beautifully intentioned. Um, and that was that was the first step, right? It was learning um, how to break the cycle of punishment. Um, my eating disorder... Um, showed up gosh you know it's still it's still weird for me to call it an eating disorder y'all I really had a hard time labeling it as that for a really long time because you know I loved food you know it wasn't that I didn't show up in the typical and very um uh norm filled um at least from a media standpoint ways right like anorexia wasn't really right for me um I did I did not purge that was not a part of my experience and so you know all you all I knew in high school and um and in my early college days around eating disorders was you have anorexia or bulimia. And that was not what my relationship with food looked like or my body looked like. It looked like a lot of body dysmorphia. Um, and, I, and I talk, like I said, about this a lot in my book. Um, it happened as early as I as I was six <laughs> when I, I walked into – oh, gosh, I'll never forget this moment. I walked into um, – a ballet class. I had been so, so excited to join this ballet class. I don't know why I was, but I, you know, I was six and I was like, you know, let's fucking go mom. Like I want to do this. And, um, you know, I got so excited, so ready, um, (laughs) to, to go to this class. And, um, you know, I, I got all of like the little tights and the, 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 the fancy, I don't know, shoes and, and everything. And I just was like really, really excited to go. And my mom was like, all right, you want to do this? Let's do it. And I walked into class and had my little duffel bag with all my stuff and I kissed my mom goodbye and she left and, you know, I was going to be there for an hour and, um, you know, I didn't know anybody going into the class. I was just this big, bold, super brassy, like goofy um, six-year-old ready to be there and to make friends and um, to try something new, you know. It just was and has always been like who I am at my core, you know, just like ready ready for an adventure. And I will never forget this moment. I, I walked into the room. I put my duffel bag and there was 
you know, the teacher was off to the side, like getting ready. And um, the uh, there was a group of, of girls who were all standing around in, in a circle in their uniforms, you know, and they uh, they were talking and they clearly had like known each other. Maybe they were in, you know, friends from I don't know. I don't know what their situation was. Maybe they'd done the, the class before and um, they were, you know, talking, talking, talking. And I went to put my duffel bag down and I, I went to look up and I was going to go join them and say hi. And I noticed um, as I went to go, you know, look, look up. Um, a bunch of them just kind of staring and whispering and I heard one of the girls say the word pretty loudly pig and they all just like ooh, it gets me emotional talking about like every time I talk about the story it gets me so emotional um and I will never forget that moment because they were looking straight at me and it was a moment that I lost a part of myself and it was a moment that I started to see my body as other and it's the moment that I started to lose who I was and it started a really deep cycle um, of breakdowns in changing rooms and um, feeling like just constantly feeling awful about my body and you know as as I go into full detail in my book I was bullied a lot as a kid um and um you know it's when I realized I looked different than everyone else that I, I um and I hadn't noticed that before I hadn't noticed that I had a little more meat on my bones um than you know the other kids I just was me and all of a sudden I wasn't anymore it wasn't enough to be just me and uh maybe you have a moment like that in your life that you can really pinpoint or maybe it's a slew of moments a lot of the time it's these small tiny moments that we don't even think to really look back on that started the journey of us feeling like our container the body the thing that we have around us at all times um needs to be different, needs to be uh, not as it is um, in order to be loved, in order to be accepted, and in order to be seen. And really at the core of us all, that's all we ever want, right? Is to be loved and seen and accepted. And so much of our shame and our stuff lies in our bodies because it starts there. It starts um, for so many of us um, in a moment like that moment. And that was the start of mine. And it looked really different throughout the years. And there were moments where I remember feeling more comfortable in my own skin. Um, But it's also I'm finding as I look back, those moments like when I was in high school and I like shot up and I was super tall and I had, you know, lost the quote unquote baby weight. And I finally got my period when I was fucking 15 and felt like I was the last person in my class to do so. And, you know, like I got, I looked a lot more like what I saw to be as acceptable and loved. And and then I was also in a really loving relationship with my, you know, first serious boyfriend at the time. And so, you know, a lot of those, that stuff faded away until college. And college was um, a really interesting time in my life because I look back on it with so much fond memories but if you're new to the pot or new to me um, 
I actually went to school for musical theater and my first and deepest passion in this life is to perform. It is what I do. It is my zone of genius is to tell stories um, and is to be on stage and to speak and to uh, empathically show up in that space. It is truly my favorite place to be in the world. And so I knew I needed to go into theater because I knew it was my calling. I just knew it from such a young age. I've been singing since I was six, and it has always just been the place I feel the deepest release and um, and that where my gifts shine um, at the highest level. <laughs> and I was so excited to go to, to school for that and to really hone my craft and to really be in that space. And it ended up being an environment that in terms of my relationship with my body um, and with really my, with myself, because the body is just a, a reflection of that as I'm learning and as I teach, um, you know, it really was uh, the beginning of the continuation of the cycle, right? Because all of that young, that young six-year-old Amanda who knew that her body needed to look differently started getting a lot of those reminders in school um you know I uh as many do I gained the freshman you know 30 really (laughs) um and um you know I was going through a breakup and my freshman year I was just really struggling um emotionally you know being in a new place for the first time I moved away from home at you know 18 19 and um you know, I was also living the college life and, you know, drinking fucking chocolate milk every day and, you know, all the cafeteria mac and cheese. I was loving, I was loving life. And, um, and at the same time, you know, my sophomore to junior to senior year, I started getting really inundated with my professors, um, particularly one, um, and also my classmates, you know, um, I was in a conservatory program, which is this really, um, uh, small space to exist um, and be around the same people for four years. I was, you know, around the same 27 people basically for four years. We had every class together and it was a very different um, college experience than, you know, what, what many of you ha- may have navigated. Although I know a lot of you are also performers and artists. Um, and uh, it, it was a really interesting time for me. Um, a really interesting time for me to fully uh, know how to be myself in that space because I was so often told that I wasn't enough. And it started from a place of my body. You know, I was told my so- my sophomore year that if I didn't lose 20 pounds, I would never work as a as an actor in this in the city of Chicago. I wouldn't um I wouldn't get cast. And you know, while he may actually have been right, because unfortunately the theater world is a place where looks do matter and that's starting to slowly change. Um, but it is deep within, um, the space of theater and that doesn't just go for, you know, weight. It goes for a slew of things, race and beyond. It's, I mean, it's, it's problematic for sure and rooted in white supremacy and patriarchy. So, you know, that's a thing. Hello. Um, But I 
I will never forget hearing that. And that's the moment where everything changed for me in terms of my actions. And what I mean by that is that, you know, up until that point, I had just been, you know, internally struggling (laughs) about looking in the mirror and, um, you know, having meltdowns in the changing room and stuff. But I didn't really take any external measures to adjust what was on the outside until that point. Um, You know, I, at least not consciously, um, but in that moment it was, okay, I need to change. I need to change in order to be loved and seen and accepted and in order to do what I love. And that's when my cycle started, you know, um, and this is as far back as 2010. And, um, so gosh, it's been 10 years, (laughs) 10 years. Ooh. Um, and I was in the cycle of dieting and restriction and my, eating disorder cycle looked like dieting and restricting during the day. I would limit my calories. I did not eat carbs for years, which, uh, you know, after all the nutrition work I've done, I, it's just, it's so detrimental to our bodies. And I just had no idea, right? I'm just, I was following what I was being told by all of these places and these programs that were all about getting lean and clean and, um, you know, all of this stuff. And, and I, I really just wanted to be able to feel happy, right? Feel joy. I was seeking joy. I was seeking pleasure. I was seeking fulfillment. I was seeking acceptance and I was told this was the path. And so I started taking it, you know, And inevitably, that started looking like, uh, you know, this control factor of trying to focus on that um, during the day. And then at night, I, my body was in so much physical pain from not being nourished um, that I would binge, Um, you know, I would go home um, from, from, school and on my way back to my apartment I would stop by the 7-Eleven and I would pick up everything I could find because my body was screaming at me for nourishment and of course by that point because I wasn't eating carbs all I ended up you know moving towards were these massive binges and my binges looked like sitting on the floor um, uncontrollably eating foods that I I just felt so 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 out of control around because I um and I would just be crying sobbing 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 and then the cycle would start the next day because I felt like I needed you know to quote not eat in order to or not eat a lot in order to um (laughs) make up right it's this whole making up for mentality that is so present in diet culture (sighs) and it that cycle perpetuated for a long time and it also started um in other ways like orthorexia where I would you know work out to work off the food I was making and and eating and putting in my body and um you know I I would spend hours at the gym and exercise became a form of punishment for me and I see that so deeply in so many of us and of course that happens because we are not taught any differently we are taught that that's what we need to do diet culture is so rampant in such small ways and yes we are starting to move in a direction of reclaiming it as a society but it is so imprinted in our brain and in our body and in our being and it is a cycle that I lived in for so long and the recovery process 
you know, started, like I said, around this time five years ago. And ironically enough, if you go back to like the first, you know, episode or first few episodes of the podcast, I talk about the rock bottom moment that I had right around this time in 2015. Um, it's what I then referred to as my quarter life crisis. I now realize that um, <laughs> it's so interesting going back to the, the beginning. It's like three years into the podcast almost, you guys, and like so much evolution. Um, of course, because we're constantly evolving as human beings. But it's so interesting to go back and remember what I saw that space as because I remember just deeply feeling like, okay, well, we get one quarter life crisis and then we grow from it. And it was rock bottom for me. And um, as I've said many times in the podcast over the, the last couple of seasons, I think that when we uh, when we are so used to showing up from a place of othering and um, by attempting to be something that is rooted in what other people want or what society tells us that we should, right? This place of shoulds all the time. I should be like that. I should um, build this business. I should be making fucking, you know, a million dollars. I should have uh, a house that looks like Debbie on the block down there. I, I should have this many followers on Instagram I should have a body that, you know, is able to do 20 push-ups. I should be a size two. I should, 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 and we should all over ourselves for years and fucking years. It, uh, of course, of course, we are in the space of, well, if I'm not that, then I'm not enough, right? And we, we live from, from a place of external acknowledgement. And I was in that place for so long. I I still am in that place in a lot of ways. Um, and the last couple of years have been a reclamation. Reclamation. I've been using this word a lot, and I don't know if it's actually a word, but I'm using it. So there we go. It's been a re- <laughs> like I'm reclaiming what it means to be whole and what it means to love this body. And I don't just mean... And I don't mean love from a sense of like, I'm going to love my body. I'm going to jump and love it. I genuinely mean like appreciate it and give it, give it the, the, the support and compassion that it deserves um, and one that it has not received for so many years. And that's been a big part of my personal journey the last five years. And it has taken a lot of time to even understand what that looks like. Um, you know, I think the term, I was talking about this, um, I, 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 I teach on this in my group coaching calls and with my um, one-on-one students a lot um, because shame begins in our bodies, like I said, and so much of the stuff that we don't realize is actually, um, you know, like our, our negative self-talk or the things we say to ourselves that are shitty um, how we communicate with our partners, how we show up in the bedroom, um, how we embody our sexuality. Um, it all starts, it all starts in the shame we carry in our bodies. And I don't just mean internal shame because that's a big part of it, but I also mean the physical trauma and pain of that shame. Like it shows up in our bodies and that is the key to beginning to unlock our deepest liberation, 
And that's what the last five years of my recovery process have been slowly moving me towards. And it started, like I said earlier on, with my big ass, you know, uh, rock bottom moment in 2015. And externally, it looked like me having a giant ass panic attack after I got married. Um, Like the week after we got back from our little mini moon that we went on to St. Lucia. And, you know, it looked like me having been up until that point working seven part-time jobs and barely scraping by, barely making enough money, even though I was killing myself in terms of what I was doing every single fucking day. Um, and, 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 you know, hardly being able to pay, pay rent. Um, it also, we just, you know, like it was crazy. It was fucking insane. And at the same time, I was also, also knee deep in my eating disorder cycle and the overwhelm and the burnout and the constant go, go, go energy that I was existing at that time was so much and my body just could not deal with it anymore and so the panic attacks were real at that time and that is how um how I knew because I finally my body finally was able to relax on in St. Lucia I was on the beach it was the first time I felt my body release it honestly felt a lot like how my body is feeling right now after this election cycle Um, because yes, there's still so much to be done. And I knew that at the time in terms of my life to come back to, but in a moment for a moment, who I'm going to get emotional for a moment, my body was like, okay, you can take a deep breath now. And it was a lot. And, um, it is a lot right now. (laughs) And maybe you're in it with me. I'm sure you are in some capacity. Um, because, Living in this country for the last four years, I feel like I've been holding my breath. And that's what it felt like five years ago when I had that moment. And I'm grateful for that moment because it gave me, uh, the rock bottom gave me a place to to move from. But I always say this to my clients and to everyone, I, I, my deepest wish for you is that you never have to get to the rock bottom is that you can hear my story and you can um, em- embody some of the the teachings that I share and gift yourself some some self compassion and tools to support yourself so that you don't have to have to get to that point <laughs> because it is not a place I would wish on anybody to be um, and that was the start. That was the start of, externally at least, me starting to change things. And at the beginning, it looked a lot like, um, it looked a lot like quitting four of my part-time jobs overnight um, and just saying, fuck it. <laughs> like, honestly, use the fuck it method. Um, you know, go back in your, in your podcast and, and find that. I don't know what episode it is off the top of my head. I also share about it in my book. Um, it's one of my favorite tools ever. Um, but at the time, I didn't, you know, have that tool in my toolbox at the time. It was really just me being like, fuck this. Like, I can't do it anymore. I cannot live like this anymore, you know? And... I uh, I gave myself, you know, a couple of months to figure out how I could function, how I could find a way to um, 
you know, hold on to the tiny amount of money that I had in my savings and, um, and, you know, continue working the jobs that, you know, uh, gave me at least some money, but it was honestly like, uh, I was just, I was functioning. I was barely functional. Um, and, and maybe find another, another way of doing life that felt more aligned for me, um, and get out of the cycle of eating disorders. <laughs> and, um, it looked at the beginning like figuring out what nourishing my body could look like because I had been dieting for so long and reincorporating things really in a small ways, really small, very intentional ways. Um, and I don't, I don't want to get too into my particular path of around that because again, as I mentioned earlier, um, I think recovery is our individual experience and I, I never want to speak to my personal journey in terms of tangible steps concretely because I know for so long I felt like I needed those tangible steps from somebody else's journey um, to be able to follow and and yet I tried somebody else's journey on over and over and over again trying to find the thing and what I have realized in the work that I do and why I care so deeply about where I'm at now and why I'm sharing this today with you is that what somebody does has nothing to do with your journey. And at at the end of the day, you're only going to start experiencing liberation and healing whether you are in the cycle yourself or in any cycle of not loving and seeing and accepting yourself, right? This is not just about eating disorders. This is a big metaphor for how we experience personal liberation. And as Glennon Doyle always deeply so, I just love her. And and Brene Brown, they're my two of my biggest teachers. If you have not If you do not follow these two women on Instagram or absorb their work, I cannot recommend it enough. They are two of my deepest teachers. But, you know, um, Glennon Doyle always says you can do hard things. And I believe she is right. And as you read in Untamed and as I hope I impart in the wisdom today, um, (laughs) it's about doing hard things and it's about trusting learning to trust yourself and that can be really really hard to do because we have been taught by society that our internal um, nudges and the things that um, lead us to healing for ourselves need to be external right I'm going to try this thing and it's going to be the thing that's going to change the game I am going to um, you know uh, fucking do this 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 class and that's going to help or whatever and yes, those things can be super supportive in your toolbox. And I've been through many, 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 many of those because I needed something to grasp onto to help me start the process. And at the end of the day, what I've realized more than anything, it's that the answers always come from within. And so the question is, how the fuck do you get within when you're so used to operating from a place of outside of yourself? And that was my struggle for the longest time in my recovery process and in my process of learning to love myself and fully, fully 
stepping into my fuck yes self because my fuck yes self has been an ever fucking lucian and ultimately it's really just been at the highest level my desire to just feel at home in my own skin and accepted not just by others but by myself <sighs> i hope that sits with you I just said that out loud and I feel like I, uh, I needed that, that wisdom. Oh, from my own, from my own mouth. Like that is truly, truly why I do what I do and why I share what I share on here, because I want you to know that you have the answers. And now the question is how the fuck do you know how to even begin and that was my that was that has been my my recovery process is trying things on for size and what i have learned and i hope um you will impart and i invite you to uh learn from my journey for yourself is that at the end of the day the most important thing you can do is support your heart and trust that working in a space, whether it's with somebody like a co- like coach or your therapist, um, or finding people that you are like, okay, they have received, they are experiencing the energy and the feeling that I want. That's why Brene and Glennon are two of my deepest teachers because they have arrived or at least are in the process of being and actually living and breathing as their liberated selves. And I think it's a beautiful thing that we have teachers in that space. I could not survive without my teachers um, and the coaches that I work with, right? Um, and they don't, it doesn't have to be this deep, high, like some of my friends, partners are people that I feel this with. And I just want to really empower you and impart you um, impart you. Sometimes I use words and like, they don't actually, they're not actually words or like the context of which the words are. They don't, they don't, (laughs) they're not real. I just want to empower you and invite you to trust that when you really take a moment of pause and breathe and maybe put your hand on your heart and maybe your, you know, I like lately have been putting my hand on my my freaking like uterus and down the stomach to give her a little love, mostly because it's also the space that I've for so long in my recovery process and my body dysmorphia struggles to love. And I'm really working on giving her a little extra love um, right now. I'm doing it as we speak, actually. Um, I I want to invite you to really tap into your own internal awareness around what are the energies and the teachings that I actually feel aligned with and resonate with, right? Who are the people that I might follow on Instagram or um, in my life, teachers of mine, um, writers, whatever it is, that energetically... um, embody the kind of practices and 
and humanity that I so desperately feel the need to uh, to be that I want I want that right I remember that feeling that deep desperation of I just want to want to feel so at home in my own skin I want to get there I want to get there I want to get there and I, you know again it was looking outside of myself but I think that that's part of the process right we are so taught to look outside of ourselves to come home and we don't always have the answers um, or know how to get to the answers. I, ref- I reframe that. We do always have the answers. We just don't know how to access them. And that is why I share this today because huh, I didn't know how to get the answers for the longest time. And people would say to me, well, trust your intuition. And I would say, my intuition has told me to hate myself for the longest fucking time. And it's told me to uh, to, to binge and I don't trust, I don't trust my body. And it's been really hard to, to be like, okay, like I'm going to get inside of myself. I'm going to, I'm going to listen to my, to my inner wisdom and all of this stuff that so many people talk about in terms of the healing process, but it was always spoken about in a way that just didn't make fucking sense to me because I wasn't there. I didn't understand what it felt to sit in my own skin and actually be able to like actually know how I felt or get quiet. And that's because we aren't taught how to do that. And so I want you to know that if you're in that place right now where you're like, I don't have the answers and I don't even know where to start, you are so fucking not alone. And that is most of the humans on this planet because we have been programmed that way. We have been programmed to not have the answers and to look outside of ourselves for them. We don't know how to tune in. And so today, I want to share with you a little story of how this has kind of shown up for me in my eating disorder recovery process and um, a tool that I hope really serves your heart and that has changed the game for me to start the path. Um... So I am, <laughs> um, part of my, my recovery process has been in healing my relationship to exercise. Um, as I mentioned earlier, I used to work out so much and it was all from a place of um, restriction and from a place of punishment and also from a place of competition. Um, you know, it was all about the numbers. It was all about... Um, you know, what my body looked like and, um, how much weight I could lose. And it was also about, you know, I did, I did programs and I was in, I did spin classes. I I mean, I did fucking everything under the sun and it was always, well, I want to do it better than this person. Um, you know, as the competitive streak in me, as the athlete in me from when I was, you know, younger, I did soccer and, um, volleyball and all that stuff. I just, I, I loved the competition aspect of it, but it, it ended up looking like, me punishing myself and feeling constantly like I was not enough. And, you know, no matter what number was on the scale or what size of clothing I was, um, I still was miserable, right? Um, and that's that's the diet culture bullshit that we get <laughs> spewed, you know. Happiness does not lie in a number. Um, and I had to learn that the really hard way. Um, and in the last five years, you know, it's looked a lot like reclaiming my love um, – reclaiming the love and fitness and reframing movement as a source of joy and um, strength, inner strength um, and uh, 
uh, it's been a process. That's for damn fucking sure. Um, and a big part of my eating disorder cycle um, and orthorexia cycle specifically when I was in punishment mode was that I um, started to run. And I had never run before other than like as a kid, you know, like running down the street and, you know, running around in the fields um, and just being a big goober. Um, But like running to go on a run was something I had never done before. And I, um, you know, I invested in a program that um, at the peak of my of my dieting central space and it told me that I needed to get up every single morning in order to look like these mermaids um, that were running the program, you know, um, it it told me that I needed to uh, go for a run every single morning for 30 minutes. And I had a calendar I needed to check that off of. And, um, you know, at the time I was uh, really, really coming from a place of okay, this is going to help me lose weight. And this was when I was, you know, had just gotten that information and lovely comment from my professor at the time about losing uh, (laughs) 20 pounds. And so I I took that step and I had never run before, like intentionally, like I never did track and field or anything like that. So I didn't really know how to run. And I also was nursing and recovering um, from two years prior, a dislocated kneecap um, from um, a show that I did uh, right before I moved to Chicago. And so, you know, I had a lot of, uh, of struggle in that experience. And running was not a positive thing for me because it was in the context of me being in a really dark place. And I ran for years from that space. And so in the process of healing and recovering in the last five years, running has not been something I – um, have touched or wanted to touch. And I've, I've tried a couple of times because, um, Kev, my husband, um, loves to run. It is his preferred way of moving. And, you know, over the span of our, uh, our relationship in the last five years, you know, especially when we, we've traveled to places, you know, it's one of his favorite ways to, you know, when we get to a new city, um, check it out, go for a run and explore the space. And, you know, uh, he understands and um, has been very patient around my recovery process. But honestly, a big part of my recovery process has also been hiding what I've been doing just like it was back then, like when we were dating. He didn't know during my eating disorder cycles and like peak of it. He didn't know for a long time because I was so ashamed of it. I was so ashamed that I was um, binging at night and I was so ashamed that I was doing all of this stuff and he didn't understand and see. We weren't living together. He didn't see the the ins and outs. And um, so, yeah, the recovery process has been really interesting um, in the context of my relationship too. That's a whole other podcast I could get into. But, um, you know, it was something that he really wanted to do something he really wanted to share together. And um, so because of that and because I also really loved moving and working out and was finding that reclamation for myself um, and like, you know, feeling feeling good about movement again from a joyful place, um, I tried a couple of times and every fucking time um, I was so miserable 
I was so miserable because I felt, you know, I was, I was again in competition mode, but it was the shame that was the deepest piece of it because, you know, Kevin is the kind of person that can not work out for six months and then bang out like a three mile run and it's no big deal. <laughs> and I am not that human, um, you know, and so he was going and, you know, wanted to make sure that we were feeling, you know, in sync, but I just felt this lack, this, this, I'm not enough, I'm not good enough, and I would get frustrated with myself, and, you know, I, um, I struggle, um, with, with asthma, um, as a kid, and specifically cold-induced asthma was a pretty big thing for me, and, you know, I always had this, this belief, even as, even as a kid who played soccer, like I played defense, not offense or middle. Um, if you're a soccer person, you know, this um, for, for years, you know, because I didn't think I had the stamina to run um, consistently. I just had, you know, created this major story in my head around running um, and uh, that uh, perpetuated. And not only that, but it was linked to my peak eating disorder days. So there was so much shame. And so much not enoughness in that space. And I just, it, it, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. And that was, you know, oh gosh, like I remember the last time I tried to run was when we were in Ireland probably three years ago now. Gosh, that was so long ago, 2017. Um, and now, you know, we're in 2020 and I haven't, I haven't, I hadn't, I hadn't, um, wanted to or felt ready to and that's part of the process of recovery is we take our time with what we need and sometimes it takes five years sometimes it takes 10 sometimes it's another thing um but so much of what I have been moving towards lately um has been building uh intention around everything I do every moment and really focusing on being present uh, because I am uh, a human who uh, <laughs> uh, tends to live very deeply in um, forward movement, and I naturally, uh, I naturally am very go go go. It's how I'm hardwired, but it's also how I burn out too deeply. It's me on being a seven on on the enneagram or a manifesting generator. Uh, we talk about. Uh, I'll, I'll link below the Enneagram episode with Sarah Jane Case um, from Enneagram and Coffee um, and also um, the human design one with Jenna Zoe from like season one. That was, was I think that's episode five. Um, but we go into those if you haven't heard of them. Um, but, you know, I remember hearing about these and, and feeling so called to the Enneagram and human design because I was like, oh, it's me. Like, I feel seen. I feel so seen. Again, it comes back to just wanting to feel seen. Um, but that's how I naturally move. And yet... If I'm not really cognizant of taking space, I deeply, deeply burn out and I'm not in a good place for myself, for my relationships, for um, my work, for anything. And that's been a really continuously hard lesson for me to learn. And it's I'm in a season right now of really focusing on being present. And part of that um, came with an opportunity that of course it landed in my lap um, to participate in a um, you know personal um, but also virtually run um, 5K with a slew of my um, girlfriends, and 
I remember when I first, you know, uh, was learning about this as, as a potential thing to, that we were, you know, thinking about doing leading into the fall, I was like, oof, I don't know. Like, uh, my immediate reaction was, I can't, was my immediate reaction was, this is, um, you know, I, I have just decided, I had just decided even as, you know, recently as like a year ago, six months ago, maybe even like, I will just, you know, I had to run a 5k on my bucket list for the longest time. And I was like, I'm just now, I'm not going to put that as uh, something I want to do anymore because it just causes me so much pain to see it pop up. Um, cause I feel like everyone should want to run a 5k and like, why can't I get there? And it, and I had a lot of shame around that. I, I still, I still struggle with it, but in the season I am in and in the space where I am at, am in my recovery, I was like, I really want to try this. I want to see if I can reclaim this as intentional, reclaim this as a way to, to be more present and to be more meditative um, and to focus on the moment. Um, I don't know if you could hear Toby shaking in the background. <laughs> he just woke up from a nap. Um, hey, Bubba. Um, anyways, and um, so I, I decided to try. And I also knew that I was um, – I went in with the intention of just being really gentle with myself. And um, I told Kev about it, and he was like, can I do this with you? I would really love to, to rock this together. And immediately my first reaction was, yes, oh my gosh, I wanted to work out with you for so long. I think it'd be so fun. And then my secondary reaction was, I know that that was also a a place of shame for me. And so it was like this extra thing of, hmm, okay, like we're going to see how this feels. And I've been now running um, and prepping for this 5K. I'm I'm in week three of it and I, I run it. Um, you know, again, just in my neighborhood, um, but you know, I'm doing it on the same day as a lot of my girlfriends, um, the week of Thanksgiving on, on the Tuesday, we're running, running for margaritas because that's what we do. Um, it's like, we'll run for marks. I think we're going to make, we have shirts made. It's, it's going to be a, a goof thing and, you know, um, are, are giving money to a, a charity and all, all, all the good stuff that I've always really wanted to support and felt, you know, called to from the 5k experience. But the act of running just felt so foreign to me. And I cannot tell you how much this process of running in the last two and a half weeks has um, has been so healing for me. And it's because I'm in a place where I felt ready. And also it's because I am in a place with my body where I have the tools now um, the tools I teach and, and, and everything that I also, um, use, right. Cause I share what works for me y'all. Like I do, um, that's, that's what I, that's what I know. And so that's what I teach. Um, I, I use those, those tools, um, of presence and of self-compassion and of trusting that my body knows when to stop or slow down. Um, and, um, and everything that I have personally liberated in the last five years of coming home to my body and removing the external shoulds, um, or at least acknowledging that they don't serve me anymore. 
that's that's what I mean by removing. It's not about them going away because they will always be present, right, in our life. But it's about acknowledging that they don't serve me anymore um, and moving from a place of what does. And every day has looked different. <laughs> I, uh, I've had moments where I the self-talk, right, of like, uh, hey, like Kev's going at a faster pace than you, like, this means that you're not enough. Like you got to speed the fuck up, like catch up to him instead of honoring that my pace is exactly where I need to be. I think it also helps that I'm, you know, um, actually being led in like a, um, I have like somebody in my ear talking this incredible program that has really been supporting me. And she's just like filling my ear with so much goodness of like trusting my body, trusting the space. And she just has beautiful reminders. It's not just like running for the sake of fucking running, um, which I don't know that I'm even ready for that yet. I, I I will keep you in the loop in that space on Instagram, I'm sure, if if I get to that space. Um, but it's been such a such a milestone in my recovery process for me so far. Especially like last week, I was on my period and it was election week, and I knew that my body needed movement to release all of the anxiety that was living in my body because holy bells, it was a lot. Um and also, um, I knew that my body was craving um, a little more extra love and, and compassion and, and, and light and um, slower pace. And, the, you know, the Amanda of, of 10 years ago, five years ago, and even as soon as like fucking two years ago would have felt um, like because I was running slower than what I was running maybe the, the week before or whatever um, at my like base pace um, that I was not enough and that I was a failure um, because I needed to constantly be better than the day before instead of just acknowledging that where I am today is exactly where I need to be. And so I invite that thought and call it a mantra if it serves you um, but really it's a breath and a pause <laughs> and an acknowledgement of self-awareness and self-compassion and saying, you're exactly where you need to be, my love. And like I've practiced saying that to myself for years and I'm only just believing it. So I want to just gift that to you as a starting point. And as a reminder that while the external world right now feels really, really fucking insane and always does for lots of different reasons, but especially right now, that we have it in our ability to put our hand on our heart and on that space on our body, you know, for me, it's my stomach because it helps ground me and pause and take a deep breath and consciously show up with each moment especially in a space like running um and it's been reminding me to to do that um every time I get into my head which happens all the fucking time I take a deep breath while I'm running and I remind myself of that so that's what I want to share with you today it's a really simple practice and um it's part of embodiment practices that I teach on and we'll be sharing more on, like I said, um, 
at the summit and um and have been talking a little bit more about on my Instagram um but it's really really simple of just helping yourself ground into the moment because we are so used to just being so untethered and um and frantic and I don't know about you but the overwhelm for me is constantly fucking real so I just invite you to remember that you have it in you to just hold your heart and hold yourself and take a deep breath to help ground yourself back into the present moment and ground yourself back into you. So thanks for being here. Um, I, I honestly could talk about this and do um, a lot um, <laughs> and we'll be sharing more about uh where I'm at in this as, as the weeks come on and on Instagram and, and on here, um, and next week, certainly on the, on the podcast as well. So stay tuned for that. But I just really wanted to come on here and share, uh, from my heart. It's, it's been a longer episode than I anticipated, but sometimes you just need to, to let it out. And, um, it turns out that this, <laughs> this needed to be let out this way. So thank you for being here with me. And, um, Give yourself a little grace and love. And um, if you can't do that for yourself, know that I am here for you always. Um, And um, yeah, I adore you so much. Um, Remember too um, that we have two days left if you're listening to this in real time um, to snag your tickets. Um, So come on over to the Live Your Fuckest Life Summit. I will be teaching some embodiment work in there. And everyone that's in there, I brought them in and cultivated a group of guest speakers and facilitators who uh truly honor the inner work in a way and have been teachers of mine and I'm just so excited for you to all to to get to witness their magic and also like experience the beginning of your uh liberation because you so deeply fucking deserve that so all of that information to snag your tickets again is in the show notes or just check out live your fuck yes life virtual summit on Eventbrite and I will see you in the Facebook group and until then loves I will see you next week all right bye-bye